Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are Louis D'Souza and Anne-Marie Young. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And we are doing something special today because I have finally figured out how to do something that I've been wanting to do for a long time, and that is to kind of merge Zoom with StreamYard so we can get the advantages of Zoom and we can get the advantages of StreamYard. And I, I got most of it figured out here. So this is a pretty cool day. So welcome to the experiment, guys. Louis, Emery, how you guys doing? Very well. Excellent. Thank you, Walt. Good to hear. Good to hear. And we also have a special guest joining us today. As per usual lately, we're doing lots of special guests and we probably will be for quite some time to come because we're booked about two months out. So we really don't have a lot of choice in the matter. <laughs> but we have Jennifer Alamani joining us today. And Jennifer has, so, so many of the guests who have come onto the show have stories of, of challenges and difficulties and traumas and so forth that they've gone through. And that's also true for Jennifer. Jennifer had some really rough traumas, though, and she was able to come through it on the other side. And, of course, as so often happens when somebody does that, they want to help other people to do the same thing. So she does that. So we're going to learn more about that. But, Jennifer, first of all, thank you very much for joining us on the program today. How are you doing? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm good. Glad to have you here. And I, I won't even try to introduce it anymore. I'll let you tell your own story. So tell us what happened. Uh, yeah, about uh, almost three years ago, uh, my boyfriend uh, passed away um, and I ended up uh, writing a book. Uh, I started journaling about, um, I want to say it was about three months after he passed, uh, where I lived at the time, had a pool, and I just felt very drawn to go out and start writing. Um, I've been journaling my entire life, but this was something different. I felt very pulled. Uh, to do so. So I started writing uh, just my feelings out. It wasn't my intention to write a book. I just started journaling about what I was feeling and what I was going through. Um, and I was writing very quickly. I knew it was more than myself. I think there there was other others with me. Uh, I don't know. People, a lot of people believe different things. Um, I do believe that there's a universe and spirits around us. Uh, and I was writing very quickly. Um, I want to say about five months later, I was done and I had a book on my hands. And then it was just me uh, taking some time to really think about what I actually published the book. Um, that, I'm a, that's interesting. I mean, because among other things, you took journaling to the nth degree. Most people, when they journal, they're just kind of getting out whatever comes out and using it therapeutically and so forth. You were writing a book in the process. I mean, that's not your typical approach to journaling. How did you end up yeah. doing that? Yeah, I mean, it started out that way. I was just getting out feelings. And then it was um, a lot of different feelings about different things in my life actually started coming out through the process. So my mother had passed away about 14 years ago, and I didn't really process or grieve. I realized her hurt that loss. Um, so that was coming out, my feelings of that, my feelings of losing my boyfriend. Um, we had found each other uh, later in life. I'm in my mid-40s. He was in his 50s. We both had long-term marriages and relationships that had ended, but we didn't think that we'd find someone again uh, at that point in our life. So once we met each other, like we knew right away we wanted to spend the rest of our our days together. Um, he ended up getting sick and he passed away 10 months later. Um, so that kind of catapulted my life into a different um, space. I was already, um, I'm formerly an HR professional, human resources professional for 22 years to put that out there. Um, so me writing or in that creative space wasn't part of my day to day. But I want to say probably for the past seven years, I had been thinking that I wasn't fulfilled in my job. I knew that I was successful in that space professionally. Um, but I knew it wasn't my purpose on earth. I started asking that question and putting it out there. 
And I feel that this all kind of tied in together. Um, the journaling, it was all sorts of feelings I was getting out. Like I said, uh, getting back to that, because that's where we started <laughs> when you asked me that. Um, I was getting about feelings about how I was feeling when it came to the grief. Um, but then also what was coming out was things that happened to me, you know, throughout my life, whether it be, you know, I had a lot of self-confidence issues um, because early on people were criticizing me. Um, just a lot of external criticism. So I realized that that hurt a lot of my path along the way. So a lot of self-love wasn't there. So that was coming out also um, through the journal and what became the book. So if you were to summarize what you feel are the biggest benefits that journaling has given to you, because different people are going to get, you know, different responses, different experiences out of doing that kind of thing. If you were to pick the ones though, that made, you know, the biggest impact on you, what, what were the biggest benefits, the biggest gains that you got from the journaling? It, it being cathartic and helping me heal. I think helping me realize that I hadn't gone through grieving for my mother. That was a big one. Um, Cause it had been 14 years and I didn't, I thought that I had worked through the, all of those feelings and clearly I didn't. So I want to say the cathartic part of journaling was the biggest uh, reward for me and healing, healing myself. Yeah. And that, that is actually one of the most um, popular, uh, popular is perhaps the wrong word, common. Let's put it that way. It's the most uh, common kind of response that I've ever heard from people who have journaled that it's cathartic, that it, it gets stuff out and it helps with release of, of old, old junk and old tapes and so forth. So yeah, I totally get that part. And then you, you actually turned it into, a vocation is that the best way to describe it? I mean, you you, turn, you you changed your your life activities around um, as a result of what you did. Talk about that part of it. Yeah, I mean, with, when the writing it came into play, I you know I took all of 2020 to really grapple with whether I would publish the book or not. I, I'm a private person uh, historically, so a lot of people don't know a lot of my let's say my business and my private life. Um, so this was now I'm going to put out a big chunk of my story. Um, so that was like all of 2020 deciding would I put this out there? I knew it was a book and I knew I felt it in my gut that it was meant to help others. Um, what I had been through and how I, how I tackled it. Um, but I had to really kind of have a good long conversation, a year long conversation with myself and say, you know, would I do this? Would I sacrifice my privacy to help others? Um, and that's, that's what I ended up doing. Um, it was my intention to, leave my profession once the book was published I wanted to to really focus on the book and what I could do and you know I was already a mentor to many folks and that was coming into play I went to school historically to be a teacher so that was kind of it was kind of coming full circle you know where I noticed you know that that these gifts that I had um and then it just ended up happening that my my job ended up I I was packaged out at the end of 2020 out of the career that I had um so it was kind of the universe telling me yeah. To be honest uh, with you, left left and right, I was getting a lot of synchronicities and signs that it was time to move on. And I think that that was the universe's push and saying, here, your intention is to, to move along, but we're going to move you along a little sooner. Because I would have probably left the job um, in early 2021. And it, it ended up in December of 2020. So. And tell us a bit what you wrote about in the book. I mean, there are certainly some key messages. That's usually the case with anybody who writes a book that you're putting out there. But if you if you were to focus on the ones that you thought were the most important, what do you, what were you trying to tell people with your book? Well, one main focus is to really focus on the love you have in your life. You know, any kind of love, whether it be with your family, any any sort of love to really cherish it and focus, really focus on it. I think that a lot in life we tend to throw out the I love you's to people on a daily, like, I love you and not give it that true meaning behind it. But I really want to tell people, you know, someone could be gone in a moment's notice. 
and it's a shock. So really, I wanted people, I titled it Mark My Love because I'm marking points of love in my throughout my life. And I want other people to look at the love that they have in their life from every which direction. Because I think that I really truly feel that we're meant to, we're meant to learn about love here, you know, unconditionally, you know, in every which way. So that was my main, my main point of putting it out there. But then I also wanted to show people, you know, when I grieved for my mother, I didn't come back from that loss. Um, I was kind of living in this half zone, I want to say of not completely happy, but not completely unhappy. And I didn't realize it until I had a second traumatic loss. So it was also me telling people the loss is going to hurt. You know, it hurt me severely. This you know, it's only been three years now. Um, but I also used that hurt and I turned it around to some fuel to say, you know what, I'm going to change, turn my life around a little bit and do some things. My, my boyfriend isn't here. He doesn't have the opportunity to do certain things anymore. And I'm just going to make sure that I, I changed my life and started doing things a little differently. So that's what I, I said I start doing. And that's the journey I've been on for a year now. That's very cool. And, and you've also managed to combine two of, of the, what we call the high vibrational, highest vibrational um, things that you can focus on. You're appreciating love. You're, you combine the two together. That's a big deal. Yeah. And the love I found for myself through all of this too, that was another big message that I had to put out there too to people, you know, not only the love of others, but recognizing the love for yourself and realizing that you really have to love yourself in order to love others and put that vibration out there. And I do, I really feel that once you truly love yourself completely, love will find itself to you no matter which, which way, because that's what you're putting out there. Yeah, that's true. And not just from a law of attraction perspective, also from a psychological perspective. I mean, you really can't experience love until you can experience it within yourself. So one comes before the other, really. I mean, you can't to a certain extent. We, we, all of us can to a certain extent, but the more that we've learned to love ourselves more, that's when we're able to really appreciate love in a way that we didn't really appreciate before. So I hear your message. Yeah. That's a good message. That's really good. Louie and Anne Marie are uncharacteristically quiet, perhaps because I've just been asking question after question, but I'll see if I can, uh, entice them into bringing something in. And Maria, I kind of see a look on your face. Got anything? Uh, yeah, I just live in the whole story and I can kind of relate to it because I love journaling as well. I find that very therapeutic to write things down and also to just compute what's happened in the day and to remember things. Um, but I'm intrigued about your journey of self-love because that's something very much that I'm on at the moment. And how how did you navigate around that? I think I, I really had to start, you know, I went back to, you know, it may sound cliche, but I went back to those wounds of my childhood to realize like when it started, when, when did I start, I guess, speaking bad to myself a little bit, like telling myself I wasn't good enough and things like that. And I had to really discover what that wound, where it started and then just really start addressing it. And, And that wasn't easy. It's a hard thing for people to go back to their childhood and have certain things come up. But I really just said to myself, you know what, again, I want a clean slate when I'm going to, you know, basically for the second half of my life, I want to say I'm in my late forties and I want it, I wanted a clean slate. So I went back to find what was that original wound. And I just, I journaled through it. I cried through it. I worked out through it, whatever you want to, how, you know, that's how I can describe it. I, I just worked my way through it. And then I started just telling myself like, you're beautiful and you know, I love you. And I, and it was different. It was different for me. And, you know, in my book, I talk about that. It was gone overnight. Like it just clicked once I did that. Wow. Um, and I can't say that'll happen for everybody. 
my hope is that it would, right? But I think um, because I put the work in of that dealing with the pains of those wounds, I think that's why it happened so quickly. Yeah, I've been imagining that I've actually got like my inner child is a little child inside me. So I've been to kind of like nursing and nurturing my child. So rather than maybe go back, I've just been sort of focusing on my child and going, actually, that's yeah, okay. What does my inner child need? What would, what would I do? What would I say? How would I react? What do I need? Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's good. Thank you. You're welcome. That's really great. Louis, got something for her? Um, not at the moment. Okay. Well, that, that's unusual, but hey, we'll go with it. <laughs> you have to understand, Jennifer, I, it's, it's not uncommon here on the Monday. No, I do this show five days a week with different co-hosts. Monday, it's Louie and Amory as my co-host. And normally, all that has to happen is I give Louie one opening, and then I can go take a break for the next 25 minutes. So this is kind of unusual. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and it usually starts with something happened while I was visiting the sauna the other day. That's the way the stories all start. <laughs> So that's maybe, right. maybe it's the it's the day of the week. I know here in the U.S. it's it's April fourth, so it's four four. And then I know we this was scheduled at four p.m. So I'm a numbers person. I watch like signs of, and mm. like that, and I, and I realized that wasn't intentional on my part, at least when I scheduled it. So then I realized it after the fact, and I said, oh, so even the numbers. year twenty two yeah. that adds up to four two. You got fours all yeah. fours are wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. That's, that's really good. Well, all right, then let's delve in a little bit deeper. Um, since my colleagues are rather reticent at the moment, I'm going to, I have no problem diving in. I do it all the time. So, uh, you, you did your journaling. You came through, you, you went through some healing. One of the things that you mentioned was how your mom's passing from years ago had to your surprise not been resolved. And, one of the things that I think about when I hear that kind of thing is, well, first of all, I think it's fairly common. I think a lot of people have people who have passed in their lives who have just not let go of it. I, I remember what happened when my dad passed. My mom was absolutely convinced that she was over it within, I think, like a three to six month period. And my wife and I, well, first of all, my wife is a former psychotherapist, so you know she's going to spot stuff that nobody else sees. But between even I could see it, it was pretty obvious to me she wasn't through it yet. She wasn't done. And it wasn't for another, I don't know, maybe another year, year and a half when my mom started to behave in an unusual, unusual way around the holidays, a, a way that was not normal for her. And we pointed it out to her. That's when she finally realized, okay, yeah, I guess I haven't really gotten over it yet. And I'm not sure that she ever really got over it. My mom and dad were about 10 and a half years apart. My dad was about 10 and a half years older. And my mom died about 10 and a half years after my dad did. So, I mean, it was like almost, you know, perfect. Talk about weird synchronicity there. But when, by the time she had passed, I'm not so sure she had gotten past it. So I guess the reason I bring that up is I suspect there are a lot of people who just kind of live out their lives without having worked through all this stuff because I mean, as you said, quite honestly, it's painful to work through this stuff, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and I think, I don't think we ever really get past it totally, I realized, you know, now also, right? I don't think that there's an end point. I think that the first time around, I was waiting to see that end point. And I remember people really asking me that question, too, as well. Mm. Um, I would always take off some time around my mom's, the anniversary of her passing. I always take some time off of work, I remember. And I remember people asking me here and there, just well, when do you think you're going to work through this already? And, you know, after a certain amount of time and, and I realize now, okay, it, it doesn't end. It doesn't stop. There isn't a point where you're like, okay, click, this is done. We're, we're good. We, we've worked through all of it. 
you're always going to miss the person, you know, but I think that when I say I didn't work through all the way for my mother, it was like, I didn't, I felt like I wasn't living my life fully. I didn't want to be completely happy. I think without her, because she was such a big part of my life. So it was like, I was stopping myself from doing things, but I didn't realize it at the time. At the time, it seemed like on the, on external, externally, if you looked at me, you were like, oh, she's, she's worked through it. She seems happy and things like that. But I knew that I wasn't. And I also know that I had stopped journaling during that period of time too, after she passed. So therefore I wasn't writing down any of my feelings about anything. So, but at the time, again, hindsight is, you know, and now it looks like, oh, wow, I realize it. But I also realized, oh, wait, I wasn't writing for a long period of time, which I had done my entire life. So I wasn't addressing any of those feelings. And that Mm -hmm. I just realized now, you know, so, you know, like I said, my my boyfriend's been gone three years, but the last two years have been very heavy uh, healing of discovery of all of this, Um, you know, because even once the the book went to publish it, it, there were still some things that I was resolving through, you know, and, and, you know, so it takes a lot, but I don't think there's an end point. Like we're done grieving, to be honest with you. As you were describing that and, and making your, your position there, it reminded me of something from my wife's background because my wife's <clears throat> mother passed when my wife was, I think, 21, something like that from a series of strokes. And then her father passed about, I think it was three months after we were married. And we married late in life, but still it was a relatively short period of time. In fact, that was one of the reasons we got married when we did, because we got the message from him. You better do it soon. I'm not sure how long I'm going to be here. His health wasn't the best. And then each year after that, whenever either her mom's birthday or her father's birthday came along, she would experience this kind of thing you were talking about, the, you know, the annual uh, reminders that would make it more and more difficult for her. And a a funny thing has happened since then. Now, we've been married 22 years now. And in the course of that time, I've noticed that, I don't know how else to say it, the sting has reduced over time to the point where there have been years in the last four or five years where her mom's passing, which was around um, Pearl Harbor Day, was, she missed it. She didn't even know it was there. And she would say, oh, that's right. My mom passed last week. I forgot about that. Whereas when we first were together, when that time came, she was, it was pretty heavy on her. So I I think that kind of points to the old adage, time does heal all wounds. You just have to give time, time. Yeah. It's, 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 I think like time allows you a different way to navigate the wounds, I guess is a, you know, how I like to put it. I want to say the anniversary of my mom's passing was last week. It was the 31st of March. I was 14 years now it's, it's a day of celebration. My niece, mm-hmm. you know, that's my, my, my niece and I kind of do something that my mom would have liked to do. We, we, we make, you know, we pick up some yellow roses because that was her favorite, but it's not like, like in sadness. It's basically like an honor of her and we do something fun. We go out to eat and we have, it's a, a day of celebration. It isn't no longer of, oh, it's, it's this sad day, you know. Something else that sometimes happens, and I'm curious to know whether it happened with you or has happened or maybe hasn't happened with you. And that is, as we move further away in time from a traumatic event, particularly a familial event, what can happen in some cases is that people, uh, how do you describe it? They they get to the point where they, they not only see the event differently and feel about it differently, but they feel like that they got something out of it that they didn't expect. 
Um, often it's in the form of personal growth for themselves. They became stronger people. They, they became more self-loving. They became more loving of others. And there's a, you know, a variety of different things that can happen that way. It can be simply in the sense of renewed appreciation. I, like you were talking about before, we have a tendency to take things for granted with people who are in our lives right now. And once they're gone, we notice it at the very least and often miss it severely. And that reminder is also on the, the, the flip side of that reminder is the, the appreciation side. Yeah. I, I think about it in terms of my own father. When my father, my father passed in 2008 before, just before the financial crisis hit. And when he passed, now I've, I've told this story many times here on the show. When he passed, I, I went through a kind of a reverse, um, mourning process because I mourned him before he died. After he died, there was no mourning. I thought, well, wait a minute, that's not the way this is supposed to work, <laughs> but that's the way it worked for me. <laughs> so, okay, that's the way it is. Um, and then the only thing that really happened afterward was, well, first, I, I, it just kind of hit you. Well, I won't be able to talk to him anymore. Mm-hmm. And I actually have told a story how a few months after that, I ended up having in a half dream state, I had a meeting with him again, and we got to talk and have this really great long conversation and so forth. And it was wonderful. It just kind of helped fill that gap too. But nevertheless, I still can't have a daily conversation with him. And now mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I have a greater, a, a greater appreciation for communication with anyone I care about. And I think it became, it came out of that, that one event, my father's death. So that's what I mean by something unexpected that just kind of, you didn't really think it was ever going to play out that way, but it actually provided fodder for X to happen. In this case, appreciation for talking to somebody. Yeah. I think with me, as time has passed, I, it also, it gave me time to realize, you know, I looked at my mom's life and I, I saw her as a human being as opposed to just my mother. So I looked at things it, that was a big one for me. And that was more recently. I want to say that I came to those conclusions and then I realized, you know, she made mistakes too in her life, you know, and things like that. And it was, you know, there was also some acceptance. It may sound weird, but at that time in her life, you know, she was struggling with a lot of different things. And I think that, I think she probably wanted to leave this earth at that time when she did, but I wouldn't have been able to address that in the way that I do now back then. I was, you know, it was, it was more of, we were all experiencing the loss so much. Me, my niece, you know, my sister, you know, it, it, we, I couldn't look at it that way. Whereas now I look at it and I realized, oh, she was going through a lot. And I think that she was kind of, she wanted to, you know, just leave the earth, unfortunately, at that time because of circumstances. So it just, it gave me a different reflection of, of her passing also, I want to say in more recent years. I'm guessing you're familiar with uh, the teachings of Abraham Hicks. Mr. Mm-hmm. Hicks channeling Abraham. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that they've talked about is how we all decide when our lives are going to terminate. And that, that's, that's what I thought of when you said yeah. you realize now it was, she was ready. Yep. Um, yeah. And I've read, I've read books uh, of Esther, of both of them. And it's a hard thing to accept, I think, because we mm. all want to, because we think automatically like, well, why would she want to leave me? You know, why would she want to leave me? I'm her daughter, sure. but I, I, you have to take your attachment away from it. And that's what I was able to do. And I said to myself, oh, I, I realized that, you know, she was, she was wanting to move on for different, different reasons. And it wasn't, you know, about leaving us in that aspect, you know, That's, but I think time gives you that opportunity also to look at things differently. I think perspective also, because my mom passed, um, let's see when it was, it was two years ago, three years ago, three years ago in this coming July. And when she passed, 
I was totally at peace with it. I was at peace with it a year before she passed. I was expecting it for that last year. Um, she was 89. So, I mean, it wasn't a real shock for anyone looking from outside in. I, I think it was a shock to my sister and my brother, but it wasn't for me. And when she passed, my, my reaction was, well, yeah, she was done. I mean, I, I thought every conversation I had with her the last year told me she was done and had been done for quite some time. It was just a question of, you know, how it was all going to play out. Um, but mm-hmm. she was, she was ready to move on and I was happy for her. Yeah. Which is, that's not, that's not something our society is very accepting of, but I really was happy for her. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely society that. doesn't look at things like that, but I, I look at it that way now. I'm able to yeah. look at, look at it because I realized that, that we did do, we do decide that, I believe. And if someone wants to move on, I think that's, that's their right to do so, you know? Yeah. And plus what they're moving yeah. on to, it's not like they're moving on to some places terrible. You know, I mean, for every report, I've heard, it's like, whoa, I'll tell you the story that I tell about my dad's passing. After my dad passed, my sister got a sort of a psychic message from him. And it was within days, like just a few days afterward. And she re- she had been taking a class in, in, in how to develop your psychic ability and so forth and be a medium, all that kind of stuff. And she recognized the symptoms from her class. She was getting this headache and, and she recognized it could be uh, communication. So she... Decided to give it a try, reached out, dad, is that you? Got a message back. Yes, it was. And then, then did what my sister would normally do because my sister is my sister. The first question out of her mouth was, what's it like on the other side? <laughs> 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 and and the, she got the message back. It's festive. And that's, by the way, that's Wonderful. how I knew, that's how I knew my sister didn't make it up because that's not the word my sister, that was my dad's word. Festive was definitely a word my dad would use. My sister mm-hmm. would say, awesome, amazing, incredible, fantastic. She would never say festive. That would not be mm-hmm. her choice of words. So that's how I knew. Yeah. And it, I mean, what a great word to describe what it's like in pure mm-hmm. non-physical form. Yeah. I had a, I had a meeting. I, I had a, a, with a, an intuitive shortly after my boyfriend passed and, he pretty much said to me right away, his first thing he said was, oh, it's pretty cool here. You know, you're really going to like it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember yeah, crying, I like crying, I like what crying. Abraham Hicks says, Yeah, that um, if we knew how cool it was, we'd all be committing suicide. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, uh, well, like I said, I think I, you know, my mom, I think, was always trying to communicate with me once she was on the other side. But I think I was still like I said, so sad that I couldn't lift myself up to get those messages from her. Um, but once my boyfriend passed, it was just different. So he was giving me messages and then she was coming in left and right also with messages now. So it's been an interesting experience because, um, you know, I speak with them every day. It may sound you know, woo-woo, whatever, but I do. I, I chat with them and they know what's going on. And um, they give me a lot of signs that they're around me. They, they do it quite often. So it's really, it's really fascinating. I can assure you, you have to get really woo to be too far woo woo on this program. So you said, <laughs> you, you have to be like 25th degree woo before it's like, oh, no, I can't handle that. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, it's not I kind of, I kind of feel well that I'm a bit where you are, but also because my mom's got Alzheimer's and she's had it for many years and she can't communicate. She can't walk. She can't talk. You know, she's, she's very end stage. Um, but I go and visit her in my energy. I try and sort of go, go and give her a kiss goodnight. Just imagine I'm in a room giving her a kiss. But I almost feel like when she passes over, I'll get a bit more of a relationship with her because I'll be able to connect easier. Because when my granddad died, I was very young. But I smell him 
everywhere, the cigar smoke and stuff. So I just feel there's that really beautiful connection. And I'm not that I really wanted to die, but I'm really looking forward to having that connection again because I don't feel like I've got it now. So I think there's, like you say, there's these signs and these beautiful things that, that can come out of it. Yeah, and my, and my boyfriend, he didn't meet my mother, obviously, in, in this lifetime. She had already passed. But I know they've met on the other side because they've also given me messages that they have met and that they're... Does she like him? I, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's told me, like, they're basically partners in crime, like, setting things up uh, in, my, in my favor right now as far as the rest of my life is concerned. <laughs> so it's been uh, it's been interesting, but it's but it's pretty, pretty cool. That is so how do you... How do you feel about maybe entering other relationships? Does, does this amount of loss put barriers up? Or... I, you know, well, I want to say I'm, I'm ready now probably to, to, you know, maybe date or have another relationship. I think that there were a lot of times along the way where I thought I was ready. Um, and then I realized some, then something happened and then I realized I wasn't. Um, but I want to say towards the end of, of last year, I just felt there was a difference and I felt like, okay, it's, it's time. And, and I know he wants that for me too. I know he's been giving me messages telling me, you know, I'm still young and so on. And he wants me to live the rest of my life and, you know, and we love each other a lot. So that also shows that that love always is there, that he wants me to be happy, you know, for the rest of my life while I'm here, you know, still at this point. That's a good thing. Do you get the sense that the growth that you have gone through will translate to Another situation that could come up, and I, I mean, I know nothing about your your family or close friendships or anything beyond what you've told us. But I imagine there are other people who are close to you, and I'm imagining you know somebody close to you, and, and they pass it over the next few years, something like that. And I, my question is, do you feel like you'll be handling it differently? You'll be experiencing it differently. You'll feel differently because of what you've gone through already. Well, absolutely. I I think that uh, I'd probably be more connected. I'd probably be, you know be the first one speaking to them once they're on the other side, to be honest with you. I think that that would be like an automatic thing saying, Hey, Hey, so-and-so um, because that's so natural for me now at this point, you know, and, and I know that they're around me. I remember there was one point when um, right after Roger passed, I had went away for a long weekend. It was the first time I had, you know, really left the apartment. And um, when I came back, you know, I opened up the door of my apartment and there was a strong wind pushing me like back and I couldn't walk into the apartment and there was no windows open in, in the apartment and mm-hmm. I knew it was him and I felt such a I was I felt very like at ease this joy I can't describe and I literally said out loud I missed you too and then the push got f- even further stronger and pushed me back where I couldn't even walk into the apartment um but it was just joyful it was a joyful feeling so things like that have happened and that's how I know he's he's there it's really great in the sense that uh I mean it Perhaps not the ideal way to develop these skills, but what you've really done is you've learned how to tap into that, what Abraham calls the inner child, the inner being. You've been able to connect into that, that inside yourself connection that you've had all along, that we always had all along, but we tend to lose track of it and we lose contact with it over the course of, an, of a lifetime. You've reconnected and you've reconnected in a big way. That's fabulous. Yeah. It's, it's been amazing. I, it's, uh, I, there's no turning back now. I want to keep connecting more and more and growing more and more, you know, in this space because it's been, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is going to be your biggest contribution to others as they hear about your book and read your book and hear you talk and so forth? Like what, what do you hope if you could like set a goal? Like I want X to be the result of this. What, what's the X? 
think for for people to heal heal those inner wounds, those inner child wounds, to heal mm. them, I think that's because that's the stem from what I've you know anyone I've I've spoken to this past year or two years for that matter, it always seems to be stem stemming back to those those childhood wounds. So that would be my my dream of people reading the book and really just conquering their own their own wounds and healing themselves, and then that would then entail spread love to others, you know. And do you find that the experience has also in some ways freed you up to pursue your life more than you would have thought was possible before the event? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I feel freer, freer in so many different ways. I just, people that speak to me, they, even when I'm, I'm speaking, they're like, wow, you just seem freer in general from mm-hmm. when they knew me before, you know, you're talking, you know, I don't want to say a rigid human resources professional, but being in that space, you know, that corporate rigid space, you're, for 22 years is a long time, you know, and doing, you know, your daily job that you have to be by these rules and regulations of HR, it's very restrictive, right? So you're talking, you know, the gate is open for me in many different ways, but that creative space is really, the door is swung right open for me. Um, I became a Reiki master in December. Last year was the first time I trained in Reiki in the beginning of the year. I never would have done that before. I never would have been brought to that if I hadn't been in this space but it was because someone who I spoke to had done some Reiki, you know, healing on herself with her own grief, grief journey that I decided, Oh, let me, I have some time. Let me get certified in Reiki. And that, that, that too has opened up so much energy for me. And then that's why I know in December I was pulled to become a Reiki master, you know, take it one level up because, you know, I think I'm meant to heal people in different ways, not just through my writing. Very good. I like that so much. Um, I'm kind of also curious to know more about what you plan to do. This is always a hard question to answer. And it's kind of hard to ask for the same reason. What you, what you plan to do going forward in terms of continuing your growth. And I, I say it's a hard thing to do because most of us can't predict what's going to be the next thing that we're going to learn. So that's what makes it hard to, to do. But we can still kind of identify what we're doing and, and what approach we're taking and, and, you know, what, perhaps what goals we have and so forth. So, and I imagine you thought about this to some degree. So, I mean, where do you see yourself going with this now that you've had these breakthroughs and this growth and you've gotten to the point where you are right now? Oh, I mean, my strategy is just to continue speaking with people, you know, getting the word out there, chatting with folks on on podcasts or speaking events, um, but also my own just connecting. I I make sure I connect daily, my intuition and meditating. So I've been making sure that that growth continues no matter what. So a lot of different books I'm reading about you know, whether it be Reiki or any other healing energies and modalities, like I'm being sure I'm my, I'm, I've always been my, a good teacher to myself in that aspect. So I've, I've been continuing reading, making sure that the mind is growing in that space. So that's my, my strategy basically to continue on that, on that, uh, that path until my gut tells me, okay, we're making a turn somewhere. And, but I'm, I'm here right now. My gut keeps telling me to find some terms, but go ahead, go ahead, Amory. I was just going to ask, is there a second book? In I've been writing, actually, yeah, I've been writing two additional books, uh, and that was before I actually published this one that two <laughs> other additional books were coming to me and they had me writing. So I've already, I've still been working on those, um, the both of those as well as, as I've been, you know, promoting this one. So I, I was saying before, I keep getting these two things to focus on because they're words that you've used and, and th- the way it comes to me is ask her to, to define them. So I'm going to ask you to define two words for me. One that you were talking about earlier, you were talking about how you feel so much more free. So I want you to just 
describe and define what freedom means to you? I just, I mean, dancing to my own tune. So I'm not, you know, whatever society is doing or people telling me I'm supposed to do this, that, and the other thing. I, I, I dance to my own tune completely. So that's, that's me being free. I'm, I'm the CEO of my own life and that's it. So that's, that's Ooh, the bottom like line that. of that. <laughs> that that's the the CEO of my own life. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's really good. And then the other term that I, I've been getting for you to define is love. What does love mean to you? And how is, how is what love means to you now different from what it used to mean? Yeah, I think now for now, you know, it, it means everything to me now. Love is, it's, it's, it's in, it's in everything. It's in all of us. It's in the, in our animals. It's in the air. It's in nature. It's in everything that we touch. It's all around us. Um, and I think that before I was more defining love as the romantic partner or some having something specific in my life. And now I realize it's not that that love is that we are love and love is all around us basically and everything that exists. So, so what is a list of some of the things that you love that are you know, the, the most important things that you love in your life or the people or events or whatever? Oh, my, my, my puppy, Leo, my dog, Leo, he's, he's a big one in my life. Uh, my niece is a big love. Um, I love yoga and meditation. So that comes as a combo. That's a big love in my life. Cause that keeps me, keeps me centered. Um, I love my family and I love my culture and cooking, all of that, that comes from my, from my background also. That's, that's a big love in my space. This is an interesting little conversation right here. This is really interesting <laughs> because, because as you, as you're saying these things, I'm getting like, okay, here's the next thing to ask her. Like, okay, okay, slow down. <laughs> we have a little time left. You know, we, we've got another uh, 20 minutes here, so we're okay. Just take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> But this is really interesting. I mean, I, I, well, when I conduct an interview, I, I do it a lot of different ways. Most often, most commonly, I, I'm just kind of bouncing off of what my guest is saying. But every once in a while, I will get like that little urge to, you got to ask this, you got to ask this. Like, okay, all right, well, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the thing that I'm getting the urge to learn more about is what, what's important to you? What, what's big in your life? So you, you've identified the things that you love in your life. And, and why you love them. But, boy. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's like I have beings in my face and come on, ask her already. Just dig into it. <laughs> oh, like calm down guys. I can't handle it at this speed. Um, all right. How do we, how do I get at where it is? Well, you need to have go? another drink. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be that. No, no, seriously. It's like they're, they're trying to get me to talk to, to get you to talk about what is really big in your life right now. And that's the best way I can think of to describe it. But there, it's, it's like there's something, there, there's some growth. There's some, there, there's, there's something that has transpired beyond what you've talked about so far. Mm. And they're, they're trying to get me to pull it out. And I don't know what it is. <laughs> But there's something there. Does that, does that like ring a bell? Is there something that, that has been really big maybe in the last year or two that we haven't really touched on yet? Something that has just been like mind bogglingly amazing for you to go through? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what that would be exactly. I just know that my heart has been expanded more than it ever has been in the last, in the last two years. So that could be part of it. Um, like I said, I, it may sound cliche, but I wake up every day just trying to be a good, human, a good, kind human being and for me to spread that wherever, whatever I'm doing. When I say my prayers in the morning, 
I, I literally say, if I can touch whoever I'm touching when I walk outside in whatever which way, let it give them some joy or, or love in whatever way. And But I mean that genuinely. So I think that's that's the only thing that comes to me with you asking that question. My heart is just, it's the fullest and more so open it's ever been because of, of the yeah. past two years. Yeah. I think that's, that's along the lines of what is that uh, whoever is giving me these messages is trying to do that open heart feeling. That there, that that to them is like the biggest portion of of your message. That's the, the most important part of all: the opening up of the heart, the opening and the feeling and the expression of all those feelings. And okay, and also the appreciation part. That yeah, th- what I'm getting is talk more about what you have learned to appreciate and why that appreciation is playing such a big role in your life. I've, I've learned to appreciate the breath, I, the first breath I take in the morning. And I wasn't, I wasn't like that before. I always appreciated my life, but I didn't. The first thing I say, I say now when I open my eyes is thank you for waking me up for another, another day. And let's see what's going to bring. Mm-hmm. And that's the honest first words that come out of my mouth. And then usually the next word is basically good morning to the dog and telling him I love him, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's that, you know, I, I realized that I had that, that, that open heart as a child, I was always very caring with my family. It was a very natural thing. And I think it got closed down for different reasons over the course of time. So it was like reopening it, but then growing it even further the past few years. And if I'm able to spread that or show people how I opened up my heart and they could do the same thing, then Hey, I think we're on a good, a good path here as a whole, you know, because we are all connected, right? Bottom line. And if I can spread that more and more, that message, you know, I think that'll help heal others and help heal one another all together as a whole, because we need yeah. that. And I think that's exactly what happens. The fact that you are hoping to have that impact is indicative of the fact that you're already having it because of the appreciation you do each day. I think that's where the, I was being guided here. Like, well, like we're closing in on this idea that everything that each of us does, and you've been discovering it in the spades in the last few years, Everything that we can do to get ourselves into that appreciative, highest vibration, love space, we are also helping others just by being there. Mm-hmm. So I guess, okay, that leads to a question then. Do you find that that's been true in your experience or, or is that something that you're still discovering? Is it true that you found that the more that you're in that high vibe space, the more that you're appreciative, the more that you're loving, you're, that you're actually beginning to see results in other people just from, just from being there? You know, I am seeing results in other people just by, by being there, you know, and it could be just by me saying good morning every day to the doorman in my building. I noticed, <laughs> a diff- I, know, I noticed a difference where he's, he'll say things like, oh, you're really motivating me. You said this yesterday and I'm, I'm motivated. I have some fire in my belly. And that's, that's what's important to me, right? And I don't know what he's doing in his daily life, but I could tell he has some kind of motivation because of a couple of words that I may have said, you know, the other day. That's so I'm exciting. Definitely seeing people, I'm seeing differences in people around me for sure. Yeah. That's exciting. I, I, I don't know about you. I think that's really exciting. I think it's yeah. fun to know that I'm having an impact that I can't even see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just yeah. got visions around you going around New York, just sprinkling this amazing like, <laughs> love dust around. It's yeah. just like, wow. Oh, but it does impact others. Right. right. <laughs> All this glitter. <laughs> yeah, that's really, really powerful stuff. I think that's really... Well, that, that's largely one of the, the topics we try to talk about here a lot on the show, because we do have that connection 
And that connection does enable us to provide support to others. And as Abraham, Abraham Hicks has talked about many times, the, the more that we can be in that high vibe space, that's the space where we can do the most for other people, both through the energy that we kind of vicariously give out there, you know, not, not vicariously, that's not the right word, um, accidentally just kind of get out, give out there just by, by being who we are, but also because we, we end up living a better life. It's like if, if you live a better life and it's a more satisfying life and it's more, in the now life and like, wow, I can't get enough of this. Then the next person is going to feel the same way because they're picking up the, the vibration off of you. And they don't even necessarily know that they're experiencing that. Yeah. 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 Cause it's unfortunate as society, like we're taught the, the other way, right? We we're taught like to look at the next person's thing and maybe want it and, and have that little bit of jealousy of it and so on. And people don't realize if you look at it the opposite way and be happy for one another and mm-hmm. stay in that vibration, things you'll attract those things more, you know, yeah. more and more. At least, you know, I feel that way. Oh, I think it's true. I think it's very true. Okay, so you said you were working on two other books. First, can you give us any heads up? Like, what are we talking about? What are the books focusing on? Uh, one is is my spiritual journey. So everything that, that's kind of happened, you know, these, these okay. just little little bits of awakening that have gone on um, the past few years. Um, and then the other one is a little bit more of a fun, it's, uh, it's probably going to be more of a fiction book. It's a fiction book I'm writing, but it's based on some real life events, but that's more of, you know, I kind of felt like they wanted me to put something fun, a little bit more fun out there. Um, since these other books are a little bit more deep, they go, they go deeper. Interesting that you should mention a fiction book. Uh, my, my first book was a fiction book on a nonfiction topic. And you're, you're in a sense kind of doing a similar thing there. What I found as I was writing that book, the, the book, as I look at it, back on it now, there were some things that I didn't know then that I know now that would have changed the way I wrote the book. But despite that fact, the book, I, I actually told a pretty good story. The people who read my book really liked the story. It was, it was a bit of an adventure and the, uh, the, the emotional takeaway. No, that's not the right way. Yeah, it is. The emotional takeaway from the experience of writing it is that it's actually fun to tell a story. I mean, it, it's fun intellectually, but it's also emotionally fun. Yeah. And yeah. At, at least that's what I experienced. I mean, I got to the point where the hardest part for me of writing that book was the first, um, oh, first quarter of the book, mainly because I didn't have a really clear picture yet in terms of what I wanted to do with it. But I got about a quarter of the way through. I, I chatted with my sister who has a theater background and she gave me some tips on you know, building drama and all that sort of thing. And then as I was working through what she had told me, my, the storyline came together in a much more clear way than it had before. I, I could see where the crisis was. I could see where the climax was. I could see how it was resolving. I, I, I mean, it was all coming together very clearly. And then I started writing it and I couldn't get it out fast enough. I was having so much fun telling that. I mean, I was glad that they had, you know, that, that I had computers that even in their, this was uh, 2008, 2009 when I was doing this, um, the, the computers at that point could barely handle uh, verbal to text translation. Mm. So it could actually write the book in some sense, but I couldn't get the words out fast enough. The, the computer couldn't keep up with me because yeah. I was just pouring it out. Mm-hmm. And I, I, just from the way you're responding, yeah, you're getting the same experience, aren't you? It, yeah. It's to tell this, st- this story as a fictional yeah. story yeah it's been interesting because i'm not usually i don't set a time where i go right it's it's all of a sudden i get this urge and yeah. something comes to me and then i'm just writing for a few hours sometimes and then boom then it just kind of stops and then yeah it could be a week or two before i go back to it but it's been mm-hmm. but it's been fun you know like you said just adding for, at least for me adding little things of 
where I want the characters to live is, has been fun for me and, and kind of exploring that, you know, because it's, it's, it's fiction. So. And it's fun to develop characters too, because mm-hmm. when, when I say develop characters, that's, I'm expressing it the way a literary um, critic would describe it. But what it really is, is fleshing the character out. You know, what was, mm-hmm. what is this character like to do? You know, what, what is his or her, um, highest purpose in life and what, what, you know, what have they done that they didn't like so much and, and where are they hoping to grow to? And if they could change jobs, what would their new job? I mean, the whole thing just starts to, to flesh out. It starts to become a three dimensional person pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think it's because what, what, what uh, at least my experience, what happened was the more that I focused on who my characters were and, and how they were interacting, the more I realized I had to answer questions. Well, who are my characters? And right mm-hmm. now they're kind of two dimensional. It's like, you know, Joe Blow and, and, and Jane Blaine and they are, you know, they're dancers and that's about it. I don't have a whole lot more there. But mm-hmm. as they started, you know, running through the park and doing this other stuff, I mean, I'm making this up, but it, as they started doing things, all of a sudden I realized I had to fill in characteristics to help explain why they were running through the park or doing the other things that they were doing. And right. now all of a sudden <laughs> I'm thinking I'm, I'm actually turning them into a real three dimensional person. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I never realized that since this is the first book I published, I didn't realize how people get attached to characters. Yeah. Um, I know someone who had read my book, uh, he came up to me and was just asking about one relationship I had spoke about in the book, uh, which was like my first love. And he was asking, like, he, he went to a little depth where he wanted more information. <laughs> and I started <laughs> laughing because I kind of said, well, no, no, that was that was what came to me. And that was when they wanted me to stop that story. Like it was that what I wrote was enough. And he wanted more about this one particular character and like what went on, <laughs> you know, so it's, <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> That's good. I mean, yeah. basically what that means is you, you, you left him wanting more and that's yeah. really what any good author does, right? Leave him wanting yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Have, have you figured out the entire plot line of the, of the fiction book? I'm really curious about the fiction book. No, because like I said, it's based on some real life events. So it's kind of, it's all like unfolding at the same, mm. almost in real life. Let's yeah. put it that way a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. They're always evolutions. I, I do remember reading <laughs> some books. My, my sister gave me, of course, she was the one who had more of the um, theatrical liter- literary background. So I, I relied on her a lot, but um, she pointed me in a couple of directions. And I remember, you know, reading up on, of different views on how you tell a story and how you craft a story and you know, the showing rather than the telling and all that kind of stuff. And yet what I found was there's really not a, a single way that you tell a story. Like mm-hmm. there, there's not, you, you can try to do it formulaically, but the formula can actually get in the way. Whereas if you try to tell it the way that it just kind of seems to come out of you, it actually comes out better. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it makes sense. I added, I added a couple of conversation pieces into, into Mark My Love, um, because I had taken a memoir class and they were basically the class was telling me that with a memoir, you need some sort of conversation so that they can know some of the characters. So I added some conversation in, but they, it wasn't long conversation, you know, mm-hmm. and where I, where I put it in, it seemed like it flowed in there naturally. Like I knew where to put the pieces in. Like once I decided to do that, it was automatic. Like, okay, put, put in a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, but I think it helped. It helped because the book itself was technically a journal, right? Of mine. It was a, a whole journal and that's how it reads. So putting in the conversation pieces, um, added something to it. And I think it got to people to know me a little bit better. And I'm glad you stated the name because I've, I've thought about it before and I forgot to ask about it. Where did the title go from, come from rather? 
Yeah, it was me marking love in my life and marking different points of love in my life. Basically, I mm-hmm. I was at the end of the book and I literally was fiddling, fiddling around with a couple of different, not titles, but a different different thoughts, I want to say. And, I, and then I literally just said, it, said out loud, what am I going to name this book? And then boom, like within seconds, I want to say that came to me. And then I wrote it down and I said, okay, it made sense. It all clicked. Very good. All right. Okay. This is interesting. This has been a fun conversation. And, uh, well, I should ask again, Anne-Marie, got anything more that you want to ask Jennifer about or Louis? I just, I, I can relate to you when you say like when you, it just flows. Cause I know that when I writing or journaling, it flows. Sometimes my handwriting just literally changes. But do you ever just like read it back and go, holy crap, that doesn't even sound <laughs> like me. <laughs> yeah. I had, I had a few of those moments where, they were actually like deep thoughts where I was like, wow, that's really some good stuff, but it didn't, it didn't sound yeah. that it came from me, but it, but it did. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> Bit of a shock when that happened, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, I wrote this thing. <laughs> I remember that was my first response when I, I finished my novel and at the end of the novel, it, it was like, I, I don't remember how many pages it was, you know, three to 400 pages, something like that. I thought damn, how did I do that? (laughs) (laughs) It was only after I I kind of went through, of course, you do a lot of editing of your own stuff when you you write a book like this. And uh, how much editing you do depends on how clean you want to make the whole manuscript. Um, So, I mean, I went through it a few times, but I kind of realized that it was the going through it over and over again that brought to me the reality of what I had written. I mean, the first time, I mean, your first draft, you, you don't really, you, you have some idea like, okay, I got this, this, this thing down there. I hope it's really great. I hope people love it, but you don't really have a sense of it yet. But after you've gone through it, cause you're, you're looking for typos, mm-hmm. you're, you know, what can I phrase differently and what was too wordy and all this other kind of stuff? You know, did I use the right words? Is my grammar good? You know, the punctuation and you're going through, you're, you're fixing all this stuff, fixing all this stuff, fixing and you're doing it over. You, you go through it like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times through the draft looking through all this stuff. And that is what makes you realize just what you wrote. You don't really get it the first time. Yeah, you don't really yeah. recognize it the first time. Yeah, I agree. And, and for, at least for me, I, I know once I was done with it, as far as editing and ready to send it to the publisher at that point, like I remember my last read on it, I felt like physically sick. I felt like nauseous. And then I realized, really? yeah, I did. And I said, okay, I'm done with this. It's time to go to the publisher. I sent it. And when I spoke to the publisher, they, they told me that they had other people that would say that at times, like once they felt sick of, of reading it, like they knew it was ready to go to put it out there. And, and I had, I had that, that same experience. I have to admit, I didn't have that one, but okay. <laughs> Nausea. Okay. That's my clue. I think I'm done writing. I'm feeling sick in my stomach. Not exactly the first reaction I had in mind, but okay. Yeah, I guess I can see that. Because I, I was surprised. I was surprised by it. I was surprised by the feeling. I started, mm. but but it was a good thing I didn't doubt myself because I think the average person yeah. probably would have said, "Oh, I'm feeling sick of this. Is it doesn't mean that it's not good, and I'm feeling sick of this now or whatever." I knew it, it wasn't that. I knew it was okay. Send it off to to the editor to to read it now because no one had read it at that point outside mm. of me. Mm. So I think that was part of it. Now someone's reading it, so I think that that added to the nausea. <laughs> that, well, yeah. I, well, I yeah. get that part. <laughs> That part yeah. makes a lot of sense to me because yeah. I mean, you send it off to a publisher without having anyone else look at it. Yeah, that would that probably would have freaked me out. Yeah, I, yeah, I no had one, to show no, it to no people one, I knew first. There was no way I could. Yeah, share no one it looked at it. 
Wow. Yeah, I didn't want any. I didn't want anyone looking at it. I I wanted it to be fresh the way it was. Wow. Just my own. Okay. Just me, and that was it. Yeah. That's very interesting. See, for me, it, it, it couldn't have worked that way. I need, well, first of all, I knew I had my sister to rely on. So I, I really relied on her to help me figure out what was good with the manuscript, what needed to be changed and so forth. And I was really glad for that. I can't imagine just giving it fresh to a, a publisher without that, but you did. It, to me, that's like, that's guts. To yeah. me, that, that takes a lot of guts to do that. Yeah. I think what I learned from, from doing that, I just felt that also solidified for me that I realized at that point I didn't need external validation from anyone about anything at that point. Wow. And I realized, cause I would do that with a lot of things in my life. I would run things across people here and there. What do you think about this that, and that? And I realized at times, I think I stopped myself from doing things. And so therefore I didn't want to do that this time around with this. And it so worked out for me. For so it. then, yeah. And then that was, that taught me that lesson, like no more, no more external, external validation for anything. Good for you. Um, Boy, that's, that's very big. That's very, very big. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, I want you to give out a couple of pieces of information. First of all, where can they find Mark My Love? Because obviously we want people to be able to find the book. I imagine Amazon would be the first place, but uh, are there other places yeah. too? Yeah, it's available on Amazon, on uh, Book, Book Baby, and also Barnes & Noble. Okay. Is there an Audible version? No, not, not yet. I hope, I hope eventually, but not, not yet. Eventually. Okay. So, but that yeah. is on the uh, back burner, front burner. I mean, we're, it's, I'm gonna say <laughs> is back it on burner. the stove it's, at it's all? On, I it's, mean, on <laughs> it's on a burner. It's on a burner. Okay. It's on a burner. You also can go to my website, uh, jennifermalamani.com and all the clicks are there also to get the book there as well. Okay. Is, and is there anything else at the website that people might want to check out? Yeah, I mean, you know, if anyone wants to work with me as far as I, I do mentoring and coaching, I also might, you know, distant Reiki, I also that's, you know, so people can reach out to me if they have any interest in that. Um, just say hello. You can, you know, my page, I tried to very, make it very motiv- motivational. You know, when you when you land on the page and the first thing it reads is, you know, always know you can get through anything. And, and that that's my point. So if anyone needs kind of any, any kind of guidance or just to, some uplifting, go to the website. That's good. That's a very good thing. That, it, basically, you're starting off on the very first thing that happens on the visit is you basically saying to your potential reader who would be perfect for your book, yeah, I know where you're coming from. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very good. Um, so thank you very much for joining us and telling your story, sharing it with us, and and uh, basically being willing to do what you weren't willing to do at first. You were kind of kind of think about it, and that is, do I want to really reveal my private life to the world? You did. And look yeah. at the beautiful things that are coming out of that. So Absolutely. thank you very much for that. That's really oh, thank cool you for thing. having me on the show and thank you for, uh, for this platform and doing what you do. It's very important work. Glad to have you. Uh, we, we will be putting a link to your website, to the book in the show notes. So you'll be able to pick that up as well. People will be able to listen to that. But, uh, Amory and Louie and, and, and Louie, I, I, I'm like shocked. I, I, I heard one sentence out of you like, okay, is he feeling okay? <laughs> <laughs> But thank you very much. I'm thank fine. you very much, Emery, I've too. just been watching you, Walt. You've just been watching me? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I must have a watchable quality. That's okay. <laughs> so thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, especially to our podcast listeners everywhere, because, hey, let's be honest, without you, we wouldn't have a podcast. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>